Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode, and I want to thank Michelle Burke for getting the word out about this podcast. I am still on the search for return missionaries. Please, if you guys know someone that has served a mission, even a partial mission, please send them the link in the description so they can sign up uh, to have their mission experience shared. It only takes a few seconds to copy the link and send them a text. It's that easy to do. So just get the word out, have these missionaries share their experiences on the podcast, and everybody is happy. But thank you again, everybody, for listening. And thank you, you for are listening the to The Life of a Bye. Missionary. A podcast that dives into the experiences of former missionaries of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Enrique Nunez, and I will be your host for the journey of these mission stories from all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. Um... And I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. It's not really super churchy, mm -hmm, right. <laughs> but they mention the church quite a bit. Oh, really? Um, and so a lot of the things are not correct. And so I thought, well, what would be what would be a good way to kind of do the same thing without being too preachy? Because mm -hmm. that's I didn't want to be preachy. Right. Um, so I thought, well, you can't really argue with experiences. Sure. Uh, so I could share my mission experience and. Why not other people? Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty much it. Awesome. But thanks for coming. You bet. <laughs> uh, so I actually had another elder or another returned missionary serve in the Czech Republic. Okay. Um, but his his was the Czech and Slavic mission. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you're familiar with that. So mine was, uh, so obviously I opened up the mission. So it's it was Czechoslovakia back then. So that was before the Czech Republic broke off from Slovakia. That was, that was before 93. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Dang. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, because you signed up and you put two missions on there. Mm -hmm. So you put Portugal and then you put the Czech Republic. Right. So let's let's go into the... Portugal part first. Okay. <laughs> All right. So how long were you there for? So I was there for five months um, because back, you know, it may still be the same situation now, but uh, I was called to Portugal, went to the MTC for my eight weeks to learn language, and then um, I was sent to North Carolina waiting for my visa because they had a lot of problems getting visas and getting being able to go into Portugal. And so I was in North Carolina for three months waiting for my visa. Wow. And then uh, finally got to Portugal, and I was in Portugal for five months. That's was how long I was there before I got my mission call changed. So you were there for, or you were out for about, shoot, eight, nine. So just about, about nine, months. about ten months. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so were you feeling okay with the language? Uh, at that point, I was because when I got to, when I got to Portugal, I was first assigned with an elder who was an American elder, so I didn't learn as quickly as I I wanted to. And then in North Carolina, obviously, I, the only chance I had to really use any Portuguese was just on my own to study. Right. But uh, after a month, I was given a companion that was from Brazil who spoke no English. So okay, yeah, it was uh, you learn quickly or you don't communicate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, very well. So. So I felt I was feeling really comfortable with the language. It, it was uh, it was it was good, but um, obviously Czechoslovakia they don't speak Portuguese. So. <laughs> yeah. So when you got your mission call, is it the same as it is now, where where you open it up and says, "Elder such and such, mm -hmm. you've been called to this mission. And you're going to be speaking this 
Yeah. Same exact thing. Exactly. They didn't. They didn't warn you about anything else. <laughs> well, for for Czechoslovakia, for Portugal, or for in, for Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia. No, it was uh, it was a situation to where um, I had an interview at the mission office with the general authority, who was the area authority and the area presidency there, and it was kind of come in for an interview, and then uh, my mission president in Portugal just gave me a phone call one night and said, your mission call has been changed and pack your bags and you'll be leaving in about four days to go to Austria and learn a new language, have a new assignment. So That's 10 months into your mission. Mm-hmm. That sounds tough. <laughs> it, was a, it was definitely a change. It was something that kind of put me out of my comfort zone, but it was also a situation where it was really... It was a good experience, and I look forward to it. So yeah, so going into into Czech, Czech the Czech Republic at this time, uh, did you keep practicing Portuguese at all? Mm-mm. Did no. you lose it? I lost it. Well, <laughs> I, I knew it enough to where I, when I came back, I could still read it and understand it. I you know the speaking was a different whole different thing. Right. So actually, right now with that background, I have a son, two sons who went Spanish speaking missions, and so and one son married someone from Chile, so. Um, I'm learning Spanish. I okay. I speak somewhat Spanish and study the scriptures in Spanish and things just so I can learn it to communicate with my sons. But that Portuguese background obviously helped yeah. me in that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a gift of tongues right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was. Uh, it was interesting. It was interesting. But so, what were your feelings when you got called to a different mission? It was uh, it was a surprise um, because there was they were really kind of hush about it. My interview, so this is how this went down. I was in Portugal. I'm in an area. I, things like everything's going normal, and one night I get a call from the APs that say we need you to be at the mission office in the morning. Uh, there's a visiting authority that wants to interview you, and we'll see you in the morning. And that was it. And so I went and had the interview with him, and it it took me an hour to get to the mission home. The interview lasted five minutes, and it was basically a couple questions. How long have you been out on your mission? How many people have you been a part of their baptism and conversion? Um, If we sent you to an area that hadn't heard of the church before or wasn't very well recognized, what would you think? And, you know, I was like, his answer was like, well, I guess I'd have to exercise a lot of faith. And basically the interview, that was it. And then they sent me home, and I heard nothing else for another two weeks. Oh, okay. Until I got the phone call that just said, you know, because in, during that time when they were interviewing, it was uh, the, the church was still trying to get official recognition, so they really couldn't give you any details as to what was going on. So, but they couldn't jump the gun. <laughs> the only the only gun they jumped a little bit was is when I was in a zone conference, probably about ten days later. And they started announcing some changes that were happening in the church and that the Eastern Bloc countries were now being, rec- you know, churches being recognized there. And then they said one of the areas that just barely opened up to a church is, is Czechoslovakia. And one of the zone leaders or the APs who had called me leaned over and said, you know something about that, don't you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't. And so that was kind of a hint, like, am I being sent to a completely different mission? And so for your interview, they didn't say anything about any other specific mission. No, they just said, "How are your feelings about yeah it, opening up a new area?" Yeah, and I and I <laughs> thought I thought they were talking about Portugal, and I'm thinking, right. well, I didn't. I, I thought everybody, you know, all the areas were opened, or there wasn't an area that didn't know about the church, and so that's all I thought. And when I left that interview, I thought maybe they're sending me some remote place in the country that 
you know, hadn't had elders or sisters for a long time. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So you were 19 when you went out? Mm-hmm. So 19, going to, you went to the Provo MTC, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and then straight to Portugal. No, well, to North, North Carolina, Carolina, but straight to Portugal. And then after Portugal, so they didn't send us straight to Czechoslovakia. We went to Austria for a month and a half, almost two months to learn the language. And um, and then finally um, we went into Czechoslovakia, and I spent my last year there. What was in Austria? Austria was just a place. They had a, a building that was an old uh, independent study that BYU owned, and they just uh. there were six of us elders. So they called four of us from Portugal, and there was uh, two from Austria mission, and so six of us went there and just lived in this big building for a month and a half. And they had a a Czech member who had fled the country 15 years earlier, and he he taught us during the day, and then we went proselyting at night. Sheesh. Yeah. How, how late at night? Uh, so we had proselyte from 6.30 to about 9.30, but it was interesting because we had, there was a lot of refugee camps around there in Austria, and so we just would teach a lot of places in those and different languages there and stuff. And so, Was it more difficult catching up to that language? To Czech? Yeah. Yeah. A lot more. Yeah, a lot more. It's, it's similar to Russian. So. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other elder was saying that he learned Czech and Slavic at the yeah, same time. Yeah, they've got a different dialect. and So he said so. he would have to learn both because mm-hmm. he served in both. Right. Man, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's difficult to learn one language, yet, let alone two. But the gift of tongues, man, like I so, said, it's yeah. possible. It is. It is. So here's a question. <laughs> it's a silly question, but... Most missionaries think they they served in the best mission. So, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, obviously, wherever you're called to go, I remember a talk by uh, Elder Bednar just saying, you know, you're we're all called to serve the Lord. We just get a different assignment, and there's some of those missionaries that get changed because of health reasons or whatever, and so. You know, I had good experiences in all the places I served, and so I could say one was the best. I just think at that time where I was, it was it was a good place to be. I had some good companions, uh, had some good experiences teaching the gospel in different, obviously different settings, um, different countries, and so it was. You know, my mission overall was great. It was a great experience, no matter where I was. Mm-hmm. Did you? Did you know anything about the Czech Republic before you went over there? Mm-mm. At all? Nothing. Did you, you ever even hear about it? Nope. <laughs> nope. She said, hey, you're going. So how did they come about doing that? Because they interviewed you. You didn't know anything for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then what did what did they do? What did they say? So, yeah, like like I said, the mission president just gave me a call and just said that my assignment has been changed and I was to report to the mission home uh, a couple days later. And so... Um, I just reported there and he just, he just said, yeah, they're opening up and he just kind of went into the details there. They're now opening up the mission. Missionaries can go back in there. It had been about 50 years since the last missionaries had been in that country. And so he just said, uh, you'll learn a new language and you'll go to, um, you'll go to, uh, Austria and, and that's where you'll be living for the next month and a half. And it was kind of just that quick bang, bang. <laughs> Dang. So, what what were going through your like through your mind? Um, if I worded that weird, <laughs> it was uh, 
I know I, I I guess I just really didn't know what to expect so it was it, it was a comforting feeling um as far as knowing that you know whatever was going about to happen was was going to be a good experience and so I guess I had already gone through the process once before you know going into Portugal a new country learning a new language so uh, I think that the jitters or the the doubts, you know, weren't as, as prominent there because I'd already done that experience once. And, um, but I don't know. It was just, I think understanding and recognizing that I was going to be a part of something that was going to change, you know, the history of the church and the country was, was something I looked forward to. But, uh, yeah, there obviously there were some things where ignorance was kind of bliss. He just kind of right. went into it and, and took what come. All right. So this is, this is interesting because that not a lot of people can say that they opened up a mission. How how do you guys start the work? <laughs> so um, so there was already some established branches there. Um, okay. My companion and I um, went up into the northern part of the country. It was just south of Poland, and there was a branch of about fifteen members there. Wow! And there was a branch. There's a few other branches and in the three main areas. So each of us got sent to a different area and, um, the church had been held together by some members that had been baptized years earlier, even before the communists had taken over and kicked the church out. And they kind of held a little band together. And, and, uh, so there was some, a couple of branches, a few branches that were already there. And we just got assigned to where those bigger branches were located. And then, uh, our teaching literally started within hours of when we got there. So so we went over the border. We uh, went to Prague, and that was kind of the main, the main hub of the church there. There was a member there that helped in getting recognition for the church. And uh, we met at that house, and then we split up and, and were taken to our area. And uh, we got into our city, met the branch president, and so what happened in Czechoslovakia, the way the church kind of was held together and the way they actually taught people or got interested was through um, yoga. What? Yeah. <laughs> so they would, have, they would have like yoga camps is, is what they would do, where yoga is something recognized, you know, by the communists that, you know, it was just for your mind and your body and it was okay. But what they would do is they would teach these yoga camps, but then in between these lessons they would if someone was interested they'd teach them the gospel but so it's kind of a way to kind of hide what they were doing right and not get caught but so that story lends to what i'm about to say now is we got to this branch president's home and someone knocked at the door while we were talking to him because he had seen a flyer because this branch president was one of those instructors he held these camps and these seminars for yoga so there was a young man who had seen that flyer and he wanted to inquire about it and so his wife had answered the door came into the kitchen and said there's a gentleman that wants to know about your yoga courses he says well tell him to come by some other time I'm with the elders and as soon as she left the room he stood up and just left us there and then came back and said I have your first discussion he, he literally just brought him in sat him down on the couch and said, I'm going to have you listen to two American missionaries. <laughs> and he didn't know what he was getting into. And we're just barely into the country. And so that, if you want to talk about the gift of tongues, we just kind of started, <laughs> started 
reciting what we had learned in the language and but it was a situation where he was baptized two weeks later and he wow. ended up serving his mission here in Boise. What? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see him? Yeah. We what? spoke in the same ward because he actually ended up serving in my parents' That's ward. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and he, he came here for English with English speaking? Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Yeah. So, but that's how prepared some of these people were. They were, right. you know, it was just. Uh, they, they were, were just, ready. They, they were ready. Just needed the opportunity. Yeah. How incredible for, for a group of members to stay faithful. Mm-hmm. Because looking at it from, the, from their perspective, there's like almost no hope. Right. It's like, you know, we're under this, this communist country and we can't really practice our religion how we want to. But and then all of a sudden, yeah, they and they just had restrictions. I mean, it was a situation where where they had meetings in a, a member's home, but to make sure that they weren't noticed that there was a big gathering somewhere, someone would come to the meeting, and then twenty minutes later another person would come, and then twenty oh. minutes later another person would come, so that they they wouldn't bring attention to themselves that there was a gathering. Um, How would they leave? And then they'd leave that same way. So, oh, I mean, man. church could last for six hours because you got, you know, people that are. But they're so come in. dedicated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we were, wouldn't do that here. <laughs> they were dedicated. And they had, you know, the Book of Mormon is probably the size of a little teeny pocket-sized notebook. Mm-hmm. So they could hide it in their, in their uh, coats and things like that. They also had a situation to where. Uh, if you saw the Doctrine and Covenants where we have it, Doctrine and Covenants is first and the Prograde Price is second. Well, theirs was flipped because you could actually have, you could keep books before the communists took over. If it was copyrighted before the year that their regime took over, then you, that book could stay. And so Prograde Price happened to have been copyrighted before the communists had come in, so they switched it. Mm. So it was first, so if they ever had a book confiscated and looked at it, they'd look at that date and say, okay, you're okay with it, so... Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, did you guys have restrictions? Well, you guys only proselyted for a few hours. Right? That was just in Austria. Then oh, once okay, we got okay. into Czechoslovakia, it was just because we spent most of our time in Austria. Our our main reason for being there was learning the language. Okay. Yeah, because you guys can't just go and learn it from someone because right. nobody's been there. Right. Right. So, so you guys learned it all. To- How many missionaries went? So there were six of us that were called, and then they added two more. So there ended up being eight. In the whole mission. For when we started. So when we got there, <laughs> Dang, actually, man. our mission president had been called, but he had not gone to the MTC yet. So he came out in July, but we had gotten there in May. So we were six elders without even a mission president that was even in the country. For, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, two or three months. But we were so busy. I mean, he just didn't even know. Yeah. Who, who was who was over it was... Uh, he, uh, Elder Neuenschwander used to be in the 70, and he was actually over all those Eastern Bloc countries. So they had, they called it the Austria-Vienna East Mission, but it covered places like Bulgaria and Austria and some other, you know, communist Czechoslovakia and stuff like that. And so he was, he was the main contact for members, and he would sneak in supplies when he could, you know, books and things like that, because they were literally just cut off. They it was hard to communicate and so but uh yeah they were faithful members they were they were stalwart so so once you guys went into into the Czech Republic 
was it all good to go? Could you guys go proselyte mm-hmm. whenever you wanted? Yeah. No restrictions? Could. No restrictions. We could, uh, and a lot of it was a lot of member referrals because, uh, you know, the handful of members we have, they just, they had been wanting to openly teach for a long time. And so they, they had groups of people that we were able to teach, but there weren't any restrictions. There was still a little bit of a backlash of uh, the KGB who, you know, were angry that their power was taken away. So mm-hmm. we had one situation where, you know, we were out and, and some of these government officials all of a sudden see these Americans with white shirts and ties and a tag they'd never seen before. So they, they didn't know what it was we were doing. So there's a couple times we got stopped on the road, you know, our IDs checked and, you know, what are you doing here? Why are you dressed like this? And so... <laughs> Do you, guys, do you guys teach them? Uh, we just kind of let them know, and then they once they knew we were uh, there for religious purposes, they kind of just took off. Well, that's nice. Yeah, At least they didn't harass you or no, anything. No, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's crazy, man. Um, that's so, there's like the two countries are polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the reason why they came, reason why they came to Portugal, because at that time our mission was the highest baptizing mission in the, oh. in Europe, and so. <clears throat> Apparently, like the they're doing something right. The leadership just said, "We'll take elders from there," and so and that's they only why took they, six of you. Mm-hmm. That's insane, man. Yeah. This this is hard to fathom. Six missionaries for a mission without a mission president. Yeah. <laughs> and then our first group of elders, I think, came out from the MTC sometime around um, August or September. And uh, yeah, so you guys were well. You said that's the because they added two more. How how long? Did, was it until they added those two? Uh, it was it was probably about a month later that they added those two, and when they the, they came from Austria. They were already oh, established okay. elders that had come, and then uh, our first group. I can't remember how many. There might have been a group of eight that came out. Um, a few months later, but uh, in fact, that was interesting because you just didn't have very many people that knew the Czech language. So actually, when I got off of my mission. I wasn't really asked. I was kind of uh, told that I would go to the MTC to teach because at that time, they that the, the person teaching the Czech elders and sisters that were learning the language wasn't even a member of the church. Wow. <laughs> she just happened to be from Czechoslovakia, and she um, had married an American, and they lived there in Utah. And they I, I don't know exactly how they found her, but she was the only one teaching the language, and she wasn't even a member of the church. So. <laughs> They wanted, you know, as soon as the first batch of elders came home, it's like, we need you right. to the MTC to come teach. That's so. interesting. That makes sense. Um, I wonder if she was baptized. I don't know. I, 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 she, was the, she wasn't while I was teaching, and then after I just lost contact. I don't know where, hmm. what happened after that. But it's just interesting because you kind of think, you know, that's because all she was, she was basically teaching the lessons to them in Czech and helping them learn the language. So she got her own... Uh, her own education is yeah. gospel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and sorry about the noise, but the dog's biting on the table. <laughs> so if you guys hear any background noise, that's what it is. Um, that's that's got to be so tough, though, because you can't prepare for that. Because hmm. when you originally receive your mission call, it's just like, okay, well, I can look it up. I can, well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Back in the day, you look up a map and, you know, try to kind of figure things out but when you just change you like that it's tough yeah yeah but it was uh and i think but i think for me that made it better you know i'm i'm a type of a person that 
you know, put me into something and don't give me too much time to think about it. Right. You know, and just go and do it. And so, but it was, uh, but I think the spirit had a lot to do with that. I mean, what, what we're about to embark on was something huge and there was a lot of people that were ready and that was the time. And, and so, you know, we just had a, we just had that feeling that, you know, what, everything was going to be all right. You know? Yeah. So what was the focus of your guys' teaching over there? Because different countries have different, <laughs> different, uh, I- ideas. Yeah. It was, you know, everybody there was Catholic. Um, and, but our focus was really on the younger generation. You had the older generation, mm-hmm. you know, the grandmas and grandpas that were in their seventies, eighties, they were, they were staunch Catholic. I mean, they, they were pretty stout on that, but then because of the communist, you know, influence, their children were a little less. And then, then the youngest generation, you know, those teenagers really didn't have it at all. They, they right. just weren't indoctrinated at all into any type of religion because uh, the communists, that's what they taught them was religion was bad, you know? Yeah. So that's where our focus was. That's where we had a lot of, of success was with, with the younger generation that was in their teens and early 20s. Yeah, Ben, ben Fuquay, who, who served there. Do you know Ben? Mm-mm. Well, he, he was telling me that there's a lot of uh, atheists. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... I was like, wow, that hasn't changed in no. a few decades. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> but the church is growing slowly, or is it growing pretty quickly? It grew quickly while we were there. I think what happened was, and obviously this is like any any other place, is, is when we literally, when we drove over the border, we came from Austria, which is a fairly rich country. You know, right. You saw BMWs, Mercedes driving all over the place. When we drove over the border, it was like we physically went through a time warp. It had not changed in 50 years. And it was just like you went back in time and just from the looks of the buildings and, you know, how they had progressed with technology, it just was not there. And so there wasn't very, obviously there wasn't any type of influence from the western part of the world where, you know, you got stores and all that commercial type of stuff. And so the people were ready and especially this is the interesting thing when when the communist regime fell everybody wanted their freedom so bad but as soon as they got it they really didn't know what to do mm. at that point in time because they were so used to people you know the government telling them where to go and what to do and when to do it and how much you're going to get paid now all of a sudden they had this newfound freedom and then it was like wait a minute so there was a little bit of element of uncertainty and i think the gospel brought some stability to some people so it was it grew quite a bit while we were there but i think once you started getting in the western influence and and commercialized and stuff like that people started to get drawn to that kind of stuff and materialistic type of things because they just didn't have it when we were there it was uh it was like being thrown back in time sheesh (laughs) yeah ben was saying that there's a lot of really old buildings over there mm-hmm. yeah and that's that that was cool that his that that part <laughs> you know on p days when we go to some of the historical places and you know and you see some of these things and it's just way back from the 16th 15th century you're just yeah. like wow this is pretty cool yeah something he said is like these buildings are literally older than the united states oh yeah uh-huh. <laughs> like, that's crazy yeah that's that's really something and i i wish i could see some of these places that, that you guys are talking about, but I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing that you guys are able to have those experiences. Mm-hmm. 
and see those things because not a lot of people go over there. No, they don't. And, uh, and luckily, the area we got sent to was, like I said, it was up north toward the Polish border, and it was, um, and it was beautiful. It was just like I, what I imagined upstate New York or something like that. Just rolling hills, green. It was, mm. it was nice. I never served in one of the big major cities. It was always a smaller city, but, but you know, we got to meet some really nice people, and it was just interesting because you could see how, you know, how how much they did not know about the outside world because basically the communists just wanted to say you know what they taught in schools and everywhere else was like if you ever leave this country everything's bad out there we have everything you need you don't need anything else and so we stayed with this uh, member and his grandma and um, you know trying to explain to her something as simple as a microwave and that you could cook a baked potato and like you know, three or four minutes. Right. It just, it, it, that did not process in her brain. <laughs> and even something as funny as, you know, one of the members said, Hey, in Prague, we just got an ice cream shop that now has like four or five flavors. And then we try to explain what Baskin's Robin's 31 was. Yeah. And, they're, and they're like, you're lying to us. There can't be, there no cannot way. be 31 flavors of ice cream. That's just impossible. That's it's just, crazy. Just little things like that. We, that we take for granted, but they just didn't, they just couldn't fathom some of the stuff that was well, out there. Yeah, it's difficult to really think about if you're if you're so back in time mm-hmm. where they're they're just stuck in this time like kinda like North Korea. Right. Where they're just stuck there. They don't know yeah. anything else besides what they see. And they don't get any other information that would tell them otherwise. Mm-hmm. So they just accept what it is. And there were some uh situations where we went into an area and and we were actually walking through some of the countryside that they had never walked through because the Iron Curtain was literally from the border about a mile and a half to two miles in. The Iron Curtain? The Iron Curtain is what they referred to. So, like, all the communist countries would have, they, they would just call it the Iron Curtain, okay. is what it was. And so it was, um, you know, where you couldn't get close to the border. They didn't want anyone close to the border. So they would have these, these guard posts set up that had dogs and, you know, men manned with machine guns that were in these posts. And it's like, you cannot, you cannot go beyond this part, this line. And it was about two miles in from the border. So, you know, one, one P day we went out with a, with a member an investigator too. And we were just kind of exploring. He's like, yeah, I've never been in this part because you could never go past this part right here so we just kind of went walking around but that was just the way it was for them you know there's a certain place you couldn't go you'd go into the town square you would see speakers where they would make announcements and things like that it was just it was a whole different type of lifestyle that i i couldn't understand and they couldn't understand ours as far as (laughs) you know freedom of what we could do and stuff like that yeah i saw I i watched a show a long time ago um, but this guy had a, a Lamborghini. And he was driving through through Europe, mm-hmm. and he went to one of those, one a country like that. I don't know where it was, but people are still riding their horses and their wagons, and they see this car, and they just everybody's just staring at it because they don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's crazy. I think that was like a lot. They had they had one make of automobile, and it was called the Skoda, and that in English is pity, and it oh. basically was. That's basically what it looked like. They were just, <laughs> they weren't very good. But but the interesting thing was, is then once, you know, the communists went away, then they could explore anywhere. And then, you know, that's where people could finally realize that 
the communist government had their their resorts and their places for their government uh, officials to go to and they had all the perks and all the nice things outside of the country that every, they were telling everybody didn't exist or wasn't good for them and stuff like that so well, that's yeah. really sad yeah sheesh that's rough so so how how different was it well i don't know if you know how they do it did I, I guess there's not very different, but with P days and stuff, how did you guys go about doing that? Uh, P days was pretty much the same thing. I mean, we just, uh, you know, we just had our get up and study, and then by about nine o'clock, after our nine thirty or ten, then we could just go about, you know, do our own thing and do laundry. We did laundry and stuff where we lived. A lot of times, though, we had it. It was a situation where they set it up to where the people where we lived. They would do the laundry and stuff for us. Oh, that's cool. By hand? Mm-hmm. Sheesh. Yeah. With the, with the rack? Pretty the six much. six-pack? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then we'd just, then we'd start proselyting again by 5.30 or 6. Okay. Just writing a bunch of letters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Letter <laughs> writing back then, yeah. That's what it was. I, I talked to, do you know uh, Cody, Cody, Bills is that her Great name? Bills. She's in she's in Sister Burke's ward. Okay, <clears throat> but she was saying that that she was writing letters too, but it would take like two or three weeks to get them back. Yeah, and that's it, the turnaround was 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 kind of like that. And I just remember that it, this has always seemed to be the case. The anticipation for the letter was much better than the letter itself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you go out there and you look and you'd open up and oh no letter on a letter and then once you saw a letter it's just that excitement and then you'd open it up and it'd just be like well here's what's going on and like, oh, i hope you're having okay. a good time yeah it's just like well okay that was kind of anticlimactic yep. but it was you know it was more the anticipation of the letter but yeah you there'd be situations to where it would you'd go a couple of weeks without any mail and things like that and, which is fine by me because i i i never called home once on my mission Hmm. We could call, you could call back then, obviously, you know, it's changed now, but you could do it on Christmas Day and Mother's Day, but I had just made the decision, I just wasn't going to call, so I didn't, even when I got my mission call changed, I was in the, <laughs> I was in the, I was in the president's <laughs> office, he called my parents and said, your son has been, been reassigned, he's going to open up a Czechoslovakia mission, and, and then, that's insane, and they, <laughs> so they asked, you know, can I talk to him, and Mr. Prince said, no, he doesn't want to talk. Uh, <laughs> you know, and of course my mom didn't like that. But, <laughs> but for me, it was just, that's just, I made the decision. I'm out for two years and this is what I'm doing. And I'll communicate through the letter. Cause I saw some of my companions that would call home on Christmas and Mother's Day. And there were, there were a couple that were just kind of, uh, kind of harsh word, but they were useless for like the next couple of days. Cause, because all that, flooded back into their mind home and mm-hmm. friends and what's going on and what am I missing and stuff and they just had this you know they were so excited for the call and then they just had this huge letdown because the phone hangs up and just anticlimactic yeah and then all of <laughs> a sudden like they're like the oh wait a minute I'm I'm not I'm not at home I'm still here right and, and I'm like you know what? I'm just not even going to introduce that to myself I'm just you know, I'm here to work and when I get home I'll get home mm-hmm. I'll call it good I wonder how how different it is or how different it was for Cause I, I went on a mission when we could Skype, and now they can call every week. 
So I've had I've had the different I've so my oldest son he served in Philadelphia Spanish speaking and he never skyped we just talked to him on the phone because mm-hmm. that was the easiest way to do it and he called a couple times a year and that was it. Were you disappointed? Like you didn't do what I did? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I told him. Well, the the situation there is 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 my wife would not allow that. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that wasn't gonna happen. So so we had that and that was the easiest way there. Um, what was funny though is he called the second time he called. Um, I used to get all these um, sales calls on my cell phone, and it would be you know from the East Coast. And then there's one the Christmas morning is call comes up with the New Jersey uh, area code, and I'm like, are you kidding me that they've got salespeople calling me on Christmas morning? And then I I just decline, 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 and then all of a sudden my wife's like, what if that's our son that's calling? And I'm like, oh. That could be. <laughs> and sure enough, that was him. <laughs> but we had that. And then my other son served in Chile, uh, Concepcion Mission, but it was too expensive to call, so it was, it was much easier to Skype. So we Skyped with him, and uh, and that was okay. I mean, that was that was good. But that was the only way they could do it because it was, just, it was too cost prohibitive to actually call from way down there. And now I've got a daughter who's on a mission now in Tempe, Arizona, and she calls every week. So I've experienced all three just the just the phone call the skyping and now the call every week and so what are your feelings on on the call yeah <laughs> i you know it, it I, I think it serves its purpose it's it's for me as a parent it's it's a little different because honestly i it feels like she's just off at school you know i i sometimes forget that she's actually serving a full-time mission because I, <laughs> I talk to her every single week right you know and it just kind of seems like she's at school and she's telling me about what's going on but you know but you know it's i guess it's individually up to them she she was she you know she likes to claim that she's a daddy's girl and she's like i'm gonna be like you i'm not even gonna call i'll just call <laughs> twice no she's called every week mm. since she's been out but uh you know if it helps her I'm that's sure hilarious <laughs> Well, do you think it's it's different being in the states versus being overseas? Oh, yeah, because I experienced both. I was in North Carolina, being there for three right. months. I experienced exactly what a stateside mission was like. And man, you're just everywhere, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's. I think it's ever up to the individuals. I remember, um, you know, a few years ago, I was ward mission leader in my ward, and so I had some elders come out, and there was one in particular. It's just like he was. He was bound and determined. He's like, I did not want to serve uh, foreign. He's like, I was scared to death that I was going to have to learn language. I wanted to serve stateside, and he ended up coming to the Nampa Mission back when it was the Nampa Mission, and he loved it. But for me, if you if you ask me my personal opinion, it's go foreign because it puts you in uh, an element that's just way out of your comfort zone. You right. uh, everything becomes more simple. The way you talk, having to learn a language, you know, and it actually helps you learn English too, because you know, learning the grammar of another language kind of helps you understand, you know, learn English grammar as well. But, but it, it, what I loved about learning those two languages is when, when I, it came time to bear testimony of the truthfulness of the gospel, it was put in the most simple words that you could put it into, and I think that allowed the spirit to really just testify because you didn't get caught up in in the way you were speaking and the way you're putting your sentence together it was just simple i know the church is true and 
you just testified and that's what it was and so I, I i liked it from that standpoint but then also just experiencing something completely different i loved it and i got and i had the opportunity to go to you know portugal and austria and czechoslovakia and then you know obviously we stay side so i saw all the different all the different elements so you you were in south carolina were you by the beach um uh, north carolina actually um oh, no i wasn't <laughs> by the beach i was actually inland that's where i was what about in portugal Portugal, I was I actually had a baptism in the ocean, <laughs> which Dang was which head. was hard for me because I grew up in Hawaii. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So I was the surf bum growing <laughs> up in Hawaii. And that's all I did. If I wasn't in school, I was out surfing. We lived right on the beach, so um, we had a one baptism that we actually had it in the ocean, and so I was the one baptizing, and you know I body surfed quite a bit too. And these, I just I can still remember it. the waves were really good, and it was hard not to just dive in you know right but uh, and then just being back in the salt water and stuff but uh yeah we had one baptism there so because it's pretty warm over there mm-hmm. is, is it year round uh yeah like hawaii mm-hmm. which, which beach is better uh hawaii <laughs> oh dang. hawaii is the, is the place to be so. <laughs> that's cool i mean i feel like you're a little biased right uh, yeah <laughs> that's cool though but um yeah, that's a that's a hard uh, thing to to get over or to kind of overcome. Um, there was another guy here that who's a who's a swimmer, and he served in California, right on the beach. Yeah, so like this is this sucks. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was hard being there because you know growing up in it and in the ocean. Even now, when I we go, we'll take family trips over to Oregon, which I tell my wife this is not really the beach this happens to be ocean salt water with sand because it's so cold you right. know my to me the beach is you know it's warm water nice and, and warm. It's, it's warm stuff but even just you know smelling the salt water just brings memories back because that's just where i that's where i lived i lived in the ocean <laughs> that's cool so yeah that's cool did you do any any competitive surfing or anything uh, no, it was just basically all because we lived right on the beach. It was just in my own backyard, and hmm. it's kind of nice because it w- I, I grew up in a spot where um, the reef was patterned in such a way that if anybody came that didn't live there looked out there, they would say, "Oh, well, that you can't surf there," but you had to know where the channels were in the coral and the reef and stuff. So, because if you don't, if you don't, then you'd have problems. But I knew Ouch. they were so. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times it was just out by myself, so it was kind of nice. Do you ever have any scary, scary experiences surfing? Oh uh, yeah, there's a few. There was a few sh- shark encounters. Oh dang! Yeah, that will uh, that will wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> Did, were you one of those guys that went out early in the morning, mm-hmm. like super early when his, the sun's barely coming out? Yep. Let me let let me let him out. Okay. You can keep talking. <laughs> keep talking about my experience in Hawaii. And yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, it was the place to grow up. It's uh, it wasn't. Uh, it's not now because I have a family and it's really expensive. But you know, being able to grow up there on the beach was was a good thing, and and that was uh, kind of like uh, I didn't even have an alarm clock. You just wake up to the waves in the morning, and it was a it was a good thing. How many people do you have in your family now? How in many my kids? In my family, so I got four kids, and then the you know the two that already served missions. One's on a mission, and then I got a my daughter is at home. She's a junior right now, so just one left okay. at home. She is she planning on going? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, man, that's that's a lot of kids, a lot of a lot of missions. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a good thing. They've all uh, <laughs> they've all loved it. Yeah, what's not to love, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's crazy because even though there are some people who have really bad experiences on their missions, um, it's still something that we can learn from. And you know, and I think you know, that's the thing is, and this is what I told my sons as well. I just I did not sugarcoat it at all. I just let them know that you know you're going to have some rough days. There's yeah. going to be days that you don't even want to be out there. And and I re- you know I remember when I got first got to Portugal, it was uh, I was assigned to a companion that um, it was not a good situation. It was he was. I don't think he really wanted to be out there, and and there's a couple physical altercations, and it was weird because I was like, this I don't think this is how this is supposed to go. And then did you beat I, him up? No, no, I just I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do. But it was it was just one of those things to where, um, you know, we were in a discussion, and apparently I I talked over him, which I didn't think I did. I was just trying to bear my testimony, and then that made him mad. But but the interesting thing was, is I was only with him for a month, and then when the mission president signed me to this Brazilian elder, he just said, so how was your experience? And I said, uh, honestly? And he's like, well, I know what you're going to tell me because this elder has had 23 companions in 21 months. Wow. That's just the way it was. And so it was it was a long four weeks with that companion. And so I told my sons about that. I said, you're going to ha- you're gonna run into some that are just going to irritate you or you're not going to mesh and it's going to be difficult. And then you'll, you'll, there will be some where instantly you're best friends and you will be for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, even if you don't communicate regularly, you'll just, that will always be your brother that was on the mission type of thing. And then, you know, there's days that you just, you know, you, don't, you just don't know if you can go out and keep doing it anymore. I mean, what was difficult for me in Czechoslovakia was is we had – these elders coming out, and I was still trying to learn the language, but then you'd have these new ones come out that didn't. So every time you got a new companion out of the MTC, they didn't know the language. So a lot of it fell on you, and it, there were some situations where it just got tough. It just The burden and the load was just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And So for any future missionaries that, that might be listening, <laughs> what would you recommend to them to, to be able to get through that? You know, just you just have to... You just have to trust in and know the the truthfulness of what Lehi taught. That there's got to be opposition in all things. I mean, I, I look back on my mission and and those high points and the things that I really enjoyed, I would not enjoy have enjoyed as much as I do as I look back if I had not had those days that were just bad. And and those days that were bad were learning experiences. It's all for your experience. I mean, literally, it's just things that uh, that you know you'll use as a foundation to build on and just know if you can get through that especially back then you know when we weren't talking on the phone and we it's just letter writing and there were days literally where it was just like i have to get through this with me and the lord that's it that's you know so i learned to trust in the lord and stuff and that's you know that's what helped build my foundational testimony that i have of the gospel today is those those situations so so i would tell those that are preparing don't don't think that it's going to be all, you know, roses the whole entire time. It, it will not be. And prepare yourself for that. Yeah. But just just take the good with the bad because when you're done, all the cream will rise to the top, and that's what you'll remember. And you'll you'll remember some of your bad, but you'll you'll go you'll get off your mission saying that was awesome. That was an awesome experience. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's completely true because the the good outweighs the bad mm-hmm. there 
I can say, uh, at least for my mission, there was a lot more bad days than there were good. But in in uh, in whole, the good experience outweighed the bad. Right. So my mission was good because of those good experiences. Sure. Seeing people people change and people being baptized and realizing that it's a good thing to to learn about the gospel, you know. And the other thing too is 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 I really am a true believer that you know you're sent where you need to go and that there are literally people waiting for you because we had uh, one member. She had been a member for a while in Czechoslovakia. Um, she had been converted maybe ten years before we got there, and so she obviously wanted her family to be converted as well. So she tried to teach a, her brother about the gospel and he just didn't want anything to do with it nothing <laughs> and she tried for 10 years and then finally when the elders are coming in she's like oh great now the missionaries can teach them and so there were two elders signed to that area and she said okay i want you to talk to the missionaries he's like no absolutely not i don't want to i don't want anything to do with this gospel or anything like that and so those elders were there for a while and then my companion and i down the road were transferred into that area and then the day we got transferred, all of a sudden he went up to her and said, you know what, I think time's right. I want to I wanna learn about the gospel. And we taught him and had a great experience, and he ended up getting baptized. And it was I think it was either me or my companion or both of us together. There was something about that relationship that we, we struck with him during those discussions that he was now ready to hear the gospel. And, and so I firmly believe that he was, you know, he was waiting for us. To yeah. get there, yeah, for whatever reason. So that's another thing I tell you know uh, those that are waiting to serve a mission or getting prepared that there are people out there that are literally waiting for you to share your testimony. There'll be something about your testimony that will seem familiar to them that will that will turn a light on inside their their minds. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. My mom was a big believer of like pre-existence relationships Mm -hmm. she said she would say you guys probably agreed that you would teach him or that you would teach her in in pre-existence well i believe that (laughs) and and having having seen the leaders in the church um that were there keeping the church together in czechoslovakia and then those that that i baptized you know had an opportunity to baptize immediately i honestly think that they accepted an assignment to go to uh, a country that would be ruled by communism wouldn't have the church but were placed there to now help the church grow in this time that it was an assignment for them because you know sometimes i sit there and think well why why did i why was i born in america why did i have all these freedoms why was i born in the gospel and and i'm meeting these people that didn't have it and you know what they had to go through you know to even keep it in their lives once they had it and then those that you know finally accepted it and it's like well what was the difference and i think it was an assignment and they said okay this is where i need to be so that when the gospel is introduced i'll be a part of helping it grow so you know and, and i think in that too there would be well if you want to hear the story here's 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 my greatest story on my mission so okay. it was when i got um when i had the interview before I had my interview, about three weeks before that, there was one morning where I woke up, and and all of a sudden I just had this overwhelming excitement. Um, it was like it was almost a feeling like you know Christmas Eve, Christmas morning was mm-hmm. coming. As a kid, you know that just kind of anticipation. I'm like, why do I feel like this? And then I felt the presence of like this large group of people that were just there 
where my companion and I were that were in our our apartment and for the next two weeks everywhere we went I would literally be walking in the road and I would ask my companion I said do you feel this presence of people and he's like no I don't and I would turn around to because it felt like there were people following us and I'm just like there's nobody here what is going on but but it was from those people that I could feel the presence that I was getting all this excitement and so after about two weeks that feeling one day I woke up and they were gone and then it was a week later that I got my reassignment to Czechoslovakia and then when we went into Austria that night we met with Felder Neuenschroner who was the mission president and he told us about the history of Czechoslovakia and how they had been fasting for the last 10 years every third Sunday for this particular night for the elders to be able to come back in to teach the gospel, that the church could be recognized, that they could openly proselyte. And, and he said, not only have we been fasting, but there are thousands of people beyond the veil who have been waiting for this day. And the moment he said that, those same group of people just came walking wow. right into the room again. And I could just feel them. And so it's like they knew. They knew what was about to happen, and they knew that we that I was one of the elders that was going to go in and pave the way to have maybe one of their ancestors that was going to be, you know, yeah. join the church and start doing their work. But, but it was uh, it was a situation to where it was, you know, there's there's a lot going on beyond the beyond the veil that's, yeah. that's helping out with missionary work. So they already knew it was already announced, and yeah, they already knew, in the they, and they knew who was going. <laughs> So that's so cool. So they they came by to say hi, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. So have you been able to keep contact with anybody from over there from from your mission? Um, Not direct contact since, you know, Facebook. There's a few people that uh, some of the members like the one member where we lived at his grand his grandma's house that uh, I see him on Facebook. But as far as the Czech language, I can't communicate. I just that is deep, very deep somewhere in my brain. But you don't, you don't. Well, you, there's no real way to no, practice I it mean, here. Yeah, because once you came back, it was just like there's there was no reason to use it. So is, is there any uh, congregation of of Czech in the United States? I I haven't heard myself if there if there are or not. But uh, yeah, it's been I haven't spoken the language since I got back home off my mission, which is you know now been. It's almost 29 years. Sheesh. 30 it's, years. Almost it's impressive. Yeah, so. What a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I when I was on the mission, there were there were people in my position that'd be like, "Yeah, I've been home for five, six years, ten years, fifteen years." And I'm like, "Man, how, how? <laughs> like, it seems so long." Yeah. The two years seems like such a long time, but then you look back and it's like, man, it's been five years. It's been 10 years. Yeah. It goes by, it goes by quickly. You know, and now I've, I, I've got two children that have already went and come back and (laughs) one is going and she hit her six month mark. So she's a third of the way through and it goes by quickly. That's pretty cool. So did, did that fire like that? uh, They call it the greeny fire. Like the, that really like, we got to get out there and teach. Did that kind of ignite again when you, when you switched missions? Mm, yeah, in this case, just because we just knew um, that the work, I mean, the members just had people for us to teach. It was just, we did, we just didn't have time to do anything else but teach. I mean, they they had appointments set up for us and and we were busy and then- That's you know, awesome. Language, yeah, it was, it was good. In fact, our mission president, when he came out, he actually said, you know what, I really do need you to go out and track 
once a week just to keep you humble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did it all the time in Portugal. We tracked all the time in right. Portugal. So I, you know, and then obviously in North Carolina we did. And that, I mean, I, I, I experienced both ends of the spectrum in North Carolina. It was a situation to where we would knock on a door and the response was, has it been a year already? Because apparently they would just, the area they would track and it would take about a year to get through all the different, Wow. you know, and so it's, and so that's mainly what the responses were like, oh, you're back again. <laughs> all right, well, we'll see you again next year. Not you, but white shirts and ties again. And then in Portugal, there was there was some there was some success in tracking, but not much. And then in Czechoslovakia, it was just like you need to humble yourself. So go out and knock doors. So, so Czech was kind of like the 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 gold pot. The pot of gold where you just sit in the chapel and teach <laughs> people well, come to you. <laughs> so, yeah, we had one experience like that to where we the, our phone rang and uh, it was uh, a gentleman who had overheard someone at the gas station talking about American missionaries teaching the gospel. And so he did some investigation and found our number and said, can you please come teach our family? And so we knock on the door on our scheduled appointment. They open up the door. He's dressed in a white shirt and tie. Mom and two kids are in their Sunday best and they're ready to be taught. And, uh, and they were, they were, that was the definition of golden. They were, really <laughs> but it was interesting because they, they, they were one that really, they, they liked religion, but they didn't like everything that was being taught. And they had certain, um, ideas of way they thought the gospel should be and so here's a good experience to where um, you know where you just have to rely on the spirit and that's the thing I would tell missionaries too is just learn how the spirit teach, talks to you so you can recognize that so we were in a discussion with this family and they said well everything we, we you're telling us we like but we have one critical question of what you know, some doctrine that you have. And this is the question that we have for you is, and then right then and there, all of a sudden it's like, it's like I couldn't understand the language anymore. It's like they're speaking Chinese or something like that. And I'm, I'm looking at my companion going, what is going on? I can't understand a word they're saying. He keeps talking. He keeps talking. My companion was just out of the MTC. So he didn't know what was going on. And then it's, then all of a sudden I, I could understand him again as soon as he said, so what does your church believe about that? like oh no I didn't even hear the question I didn't know why and I think it was just you know the spirit teaching me something is finally the spirit said just just listen and talk about the light of Christ that you've read in Moroni and and how everyone has the light of Christ in them and so I just quoted that scripture and I talked about it and I just you know I bore testimony that we all have that light of Christ we all know what's good and when we when we hear that and that light of Christ it connects with the truthfulness of the gospel, then that's when you know it's true. And that was what did it for them. They were baptized <laughs> a week later. I guess you answered his question. <laughs> yeah, but for me, you know, for me, the, the Lord will do that. He'll just he'll he'll take the opportunities to teach you. And I've never forgotten that. I mean, here it is, thirty years later, and I I still remember that distinctly. That it's just you know what, just rely on the Spirit, learn how the Spirit speaks to you, and and and. The Spirit will put into your mouth at the very time you need it what you need to say if you if you rely on the Spirit. And so those things, you know, I've having not forgot that, I've tried to, you know, remember that and, and use that during my life now. So Yeah, that's 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 key. But I just want to let everybody know that 
missions aren't like that. <laughs> Most missions are not like that. It's it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, that, we had some unique experiences. But That's awesome, was, though. There was uh, there was definitely some hard times, but it was all it was all good. It was all good, and yeah, I would I would recommend it for anybody and everybody. If you have the opportunity to go and the desire to go, and even if you don't feel like you have the desire right now, think about it. You know, ask people about their experiences, and and you know maybe the time isn't right now. We have a new sister that's in our ward that was bound and determined she wasn't going to go and then she went to school for a couple of years and then finally the time was right and she just got the impression she needed to go so whatever you're feeling right now for anyone who's thinking about it and then maybe the feelings no I don't want to go because my daughter who's on a mission right now she absolutely was not going to go until she went to BYU Idaho after a couple of years at CWI and then she, her roommate had gone a mission and started talking about her experiences and then one day it's just like I have to go and so you always leave that door open you know the timing will will be in the Lord's time and and so just keep that open yeah perfect well thank you so much for for coming on you bet um that was awesome I learned a lot <laughs> that's I, I had no idea that that switching missions was even possible yeah but thanks again and thank you everybody for listening Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode, and I want to thank Michelle Burke for getting the word out about this podcast. I am still on the search for return missionaries. Please, if you guys know someone that has served a mission, even a partial mission, please send them the link in the description so they can sign up uh, to have their mission experience shared. It only takes a few seconds to copy the link and send them a text. It's that easy to do. So just get the word out, have these missionaries share their experiences on the podcast, and everybody is happy. But thank you again, everybody, for listening, and thank you for sharing the podcast.